0: Welcome to the bourbon boys. This is part two of the pit cabinet extravaganza. This one is going to be Jay Mattingly (coughs) bourbon 30 centric. So if you're a Jay Mattingly fan or a Jay Mattingly hater, you're going to maybe enjoy this, maybe hate it. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. So what we will start off with is how I became acquainted with uh, Jeff and the people at bourbon 30. It, this was after the big MGP boom and then the fall off, like the, the OKIs and uh, Smooth Amblers that stopped having MGP. Uh, Ed was really searching out places that had MGP stocks. So he's like, and he used to take me on all of the shittiest. Like, he thought it was, if he thought it was going to be a terrible pick or he didn't want to take anybody. To, uh, to like impress them or like, I was trying to think of the word. He just took me on all the shitty ones because he knew I'd be honest with him. And he knew that, uh, he didn't need to impress me. Basically. He knew that I was down for whatever. Uh, we went on peerless, which is actually not in the cabinet either. I didn't think about that. It's not in the pit cabinet, but there's no stories about it. So anyway, he's like, all right, well, this is this place in Georgetown called bourbon 30. I'm like bourbon 30. Is that the place that has the plastic corks and, it's like that stuff I've just heard is awful, and apparently they started off by having like some two year old or under two year old stuff that was sourced from other places, and they changed. They ended up changing their whole way of doing things before we got there. So anyway, we walked in there, and there's first thing you see, old Bourbon Thirty, was an entire wall of T-shirts. It looked like you walked into a surf shop in Myrtle Beach. There were so many t-shirts. Every color, every style. It looked like Affliction meets Ed Hardy uh, designs, but that's just Jeff, man. That's Jeff's personality. Uh, But anyway, and you saw just a row of barrels in the front room, and they were... Fifty percent open. The corks, or the bunks were just laying open, and they had uh, st- uh thieves in them. So they just ready to roll. Then we walk in the back, and it's very disheveled, unorganized. But that's how Jeff runs his shit. Used to. I don't know how he runs it now. It's been a forever since I've been it. But that was just he knew in his head where everything was, so it was organized to him. But to the layman, to the person that was coming in, it was not organized. It just looked like a bunch of barrels. So, and they had rum barrels aged and stuff. They had these barrels. They had that barrel. And I was like, God, this is insane. i would never been in a place like this. It just had barrels laying everywhere. Uh, but to this point, it had all been people bringing out samples or you went to a rickhouse and you had barrels in a rickhouse, nothing like just going into a storage unit full of, and then you went outside and you had a, uh, a metal shipping container with barrels in it. So, I mean, it was an experience to say the least. And then Jeff, on top of that, is just a maniac in the best possible way. I mean, he is all over the place. He is, he knows what he's doing with whiskey and he knows he has his style and he will not stray from that style. He is going to go for that style. And, what we were going in there to do was just see if they had anything. They got anything. What we ended up doing was he had a wild Turkey barrel. I believe it was wild Turkey. I'm not, don't quote me on that in the front that they had been drinking on. It was like their premium barrel. And Ed got a taste. That was like, Oh, this is amazing. It was like, it was older too, I believe. Um, but it was like just dark Delicious juice, and there just wasn't much left of it, so that was sort of his jumping-off point to creating Baldy One. So basically, we just tasted through the barrels, and we picked three or four, or five—I can't remember what it was—but uh, that when you're going to Jay Mattingly or Bourbon Thirty, you have to be in to know that it's going to be a two-day process because the first day is going to be tasting barrels, basically. Especially if you're going in there with just you and one other person. Uh, I always tell people, well, I'm going to go through this and then I'll, after I finish telling this story, I'll tell how I like to attack bourbon 30 when I go in to do something. So anyway, he found a barrel that was a rum barrel. It had been aging, light whiskey. So it had a funky, like sweet, sweet. Like it was, it was rum sweet and then light whiskey sweet. So It was like light whiskey with a twist. Crazy. And then he found, I think, another bourbon barrel. It was all MGP of some sort, other than the one that I believe was Wild Turkey. So, uh, ended up, we picked a few barrels. I had to leave. um, And I couldn't come back the second day because it was work. Damn work. Anyway, so then uh, Ed actually came back a week later and did the blending. So, I had no part of the blending, but I did help pick the barrels. I've told people that from the beginning. Look what you do. They just think I'm trying to take credit. I'm not taking credit for anything. I helped pick the six barrels, and I think he used three of them. So, I was there for part of the process. For whatever portion I helped, I uh, say I was part of it. That's about it. Not the master that Mr. Edward is, Mr. Donald. So, anyway old baldy one came out sat on the shelves for a while because it was a hundred dollar bottle which was at that point crazy a uh, nice bottle a nice sticker that was fully customized by ed and and uh jeff and it was amazing it was really nice and i still got a little bit of my bottle left <clears throat> so it sat and sat and sat and then it got the Whiskey of the Year award or something like that from I don't remember maybe it was Fred Minnick or somebody like that and then it just flew and it just went crazy and it's still going crazy. I mean, people, that's the only bourbon thirty bottle people are still paying crazy money for. There for a while it was insane, all of them. But I still I think you can get twenty three hundred dollars for a bottle of that now, which is I think the one I sold I sold for three hundred bucks when I thought that was crazy. I can't imagine. So anyway, that's it for the Baldy One story. Um this is an offshoot for me personally. Uh if you haven't been to Bourbon 30, now you've gotten a little bit of a a snapshot. The big hullabaloo about the trash cans and the the cleanliness of the the place. Uh I completely understand how people looking from the outside see that kind of stuff and think that doesn't look good or doesn't look right. But what I will say is everything they used, uh, trash can wise were new. They were purchased. They were food grade. They were filled with alcohol that would uh, kill anything in there. So it looks bad, but in reality, It isn't as bad as it seems. It isn't bad at all because there are places that do that all the time. It just looked bad. And Jeff was unliked by some people that would rather just turn that into a thing instead of saying, you know, it happens. So anyway, it is what it is now. But that's the case. So having told you a little bit about what the distillery looks like, you can imagine that when you're going in to do a pick or a blend, it can be quite chaotic, especially if you bring a lot of people with you. And we did the bald monk there. We did a Turkey and tater and we did a couple other ones. We did bluegrass beast. I'll tell those stories too. But when you're going into bourbon 30, what I tell people is, Take as many people as you want with you to taste barrels because what you want, because there's so many barrels, is for you to use your front line, which are the people that you trust that have a decent palate to go out and taste the barrels, come back to you and tell you which ones are good and you could try them so you don't blow your palate out on the ones that aren't going to make the cut, the ones that are still maturing or he just put staves in. So they haven't really gotten the flavor yet, whatever, what have you. So you use those guys to weed out those barrels for you. You get yourself a set of five or six barrels, depending on what size of blend you want to do. And you take those barrels and what you want to look for in the good barrels is one thing or two things that make them really good. The nose, the palette, the finish. Those are the three things I look at mainly. You want at least one of those things to be really outstanding. If you get two, awesome. If you get three, it's possibly a single barrel. You don't find that much there. It's not because of anything they do. It's just most of the whiskey's younger and has been put staves in it and it's just finding single barrels in a system like that when you're um uh, Now, they have had a lot now. I haven't been there in a while. This was back in the day when they were still getting younger stuff. I think they've gotten older stock now. Anyway, this is just my picking. It's not set in stone. I'm not disrespecting anybody. I'm not saying anything negative about anybody. This is just how I looked at it when I went. So you wanted to get a barrel that had an amazing uh, nose, a barrel that had a really good palate, and a barrel that had a finish. And then you take those three or four or five, whatever you had or whatever you needed, and you play with them in different ratios. They have their beakers and they have the different uh, measuring tools and all that. So you can get you four or five different blends going of different proportions of these. And I'll be completely honest with you. It's like throwing shit at a wall. You're not for me. And I've been pretty successful at doing them. The ones that I've done have been do, have been well received. So at first, it's just like I said, throwing shit at the wall. You're doing a bunch of different percentages, a bunch of different ratios. And then you hope to find one that's really good. And then maybe you hope to find you find one that's good. And then you could tweak it a little bit and make it great. That's the point. But. For this process, you need to have one or two people doing the blending, the other people doing the tasting, because if you don't, everybody's getting wasted, everybody's palate's getting blown out, so you won't really, you'll end up with some mush, you don't, I mean, you'll end up with hopefully something decent, but who knows, in my opinion, that's how you do it the best. That's the best way to attack a bourbon 30. Now I know single individuals that go there and do it. And I'm like, they do it by going, just finding barrels that haven't been touched yet that are just straight off the truck and blending those. Oh, Hold on a second. So after telling you that move on to second Baldy, very similar situation to the first one. But at this point, we're a little more versed in the Bourbon 30 Ways. I was probably a little more uh, involved in this one, picking barrels. Then we went into the blending and sort of we came up with sort of a blend. And then it actually came back later and tweaked it and made it better. And then they put it in. a. The first time we did it, we actually bottled it immediately. The second time they actually put it in a tote and let it sit, which depending on who you talk to is good or bad. I mean, in, in general, if you talk to Jeff, he'll say, do it immediately. Cause then you know what your flavor is going to be like. It's going to be like whatever you blended. If you talk to Ed, you'll say, he'll say, let it mingle and see what happens. It's a crap shoot. If you let it mingle, it could get a lot better. It could get a lot worse. They ended up having to adjust stuff and add another barrel of something to it to, uh, to add a different layer, I think before the end, before they did the eventual bottling. So what's next? That's pretty short for that one. The first one was a lot more entertaining. I actually went the opposite direction on this one. Damn it. Uh, the one in the middle is actually a blend I did just for my brother and my father. There's only three bottles of it. It's Brother Beastie. Uh, it was a follow-up to Bluegrass Beast, which was should do Ball Monk. Ball Monk's pretty easy. I mean, basically, the Project CNS guys and I uh, went. And we basically did the entire process of picking the barrels. I used my technique of letting most of those guys taste them all. Then I came through and tasted What they said was good. I picked out, or we picked out, six barrels-ish for uh, Ed, who came in later and did the blending. That was the last time Ed did anything at Bourbon 30. So Bluegrass Beast, that was the first time I'd actually done a blend from start to finish me and uh, Andrew Corlone helped with the blend blend part of it basically did it with bluegrass, BBT and mythical. That's why it's the bluegrass beast, mythical beast, bluegrass. That was a pretty cool concept. The label art was done by, uh, it was sort of Ricky Mungle's idea with the eyes and then, uh, Ben Pickett took it from there and did that. Rick Ricky and Julie were instrumental in getting that done <clears throat> after the fact with the uh, the bottles and the we originally wanted a different bottle, but we ended up couldn't have that bottle and this is the bottle they had, so we ended up using those and we didn't want that cork, so Rick Julie had to find different corks. It was crazy. Anyway, day of basically uh, myself, Tyler Johnson, Paul Warnott, Ben Pickett. Corlone, and the Mongols went over there. I think somebody else, maybe. Was CJ Cunningham there? I can't... No, it was uh, Priest. Jason Priest was there, but he didn't really help a whole lot. He was there, though. Him and his wife were already there. Anyway, they went out. We ended up selecting... I think it was like four or five barrels. We only wanted a small blend. It was like 200 bottles. We should have done more. But... uh, We, we basically selected them and then Andrew and I tweaked it and we had the mongols taste the tweaks, taste the the blends, the, the uh, ratios. And it was really a good yin and yang with me and Andrew. We worked well together with blending. It was basically just, we found one that we really liked and then we tweaked it until we liked it the best. Easy, right? (laughs) But still throwing shit at the wall. Uh the real fireworks happened after the blend when they got to the store. Because theoretically we could have run it through the uh distillery. Jeff didn't really want to do that, but we could have done it. But we ran it through a store, a local store, who masse did nothing to help us blend, did nothing to set up the pick, did nothing. They just got paid. They got paid their percentage when they got the bottles and sold them because they sold out in 15 minutes or whatever stupid it was. Um, so he made his percentage. I'm not going to tell the store. Uh, come to find out, not only was he hassling people that were on the pick and actually did the work to get it done about wanting extra bottles, because he told everybody they could have two, I think. I can't remember. Something like that. Don't, hold, don't quote me on that. But he told them they could have two. And uh, one of the guys wanted another one. And he was being kind of a dick about it. But come to find out, he kept a case or two back for himself to sell on the secondary market. So, needless to say, I was infuriated. Because not only did this guy do nothing for the pig, he got it given to him. The money that was given to him just for paying the invoice when it came in and then selling the bottles to his store. He got that money. And then he was selling them for $600 a piece. So he was getting another $500 a bottle off of it. So I flew off the handle. And I was yelling, and I was angry, and I swore that I'd never do business with him again, and I haven't, and I won't. I was done with that I was done with b b t picks at that point i couldn't I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it with the guy that the store owner I couldn't do it with the guy who set it up, who was running all his bottles for him and selling his bottles for him on the secondary market. It was it was over at that point, <clears throat> so I never did another pick with... I don't think I did another pick with him, period, after that. I can't remember if the Brussels was after that or not. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think I did another pick. Anyway, we're getting close to 20 minutes, so we're going to move on to Turkey and Tater. I was invited by Ryan McGuire, the man, the myth, the something, and uh, to help with a blend at Bourbon 30. Turkey and tater, a bourbon and a rye blend. So, I helped with the rye. The rye blend, which I believe is excellent. It was all MGP. None of it had finishes. It was just straight MGP blend. I believe it was 11 years, 9 year, and 8 year. I can't remember. Something like that. Anyway, I helped with that. We did the same thing that I always do with sending everybody out to to taste the barrels, come back to me, and then I did the blending for it. And then I had them taste it, and we honed it down to one. The next day, I had to leave before they started the bourbon. That's when the whole Butterface thing happened, which blew up the internet, blew up Bourbon 30 on Facebook pages, and pretty much made my life hell for a month, let's say. Probably more than that. Uh, But yeah, I wasn't part of that Butterface stuff, even though I got thrown into it. <clears throat> probably because I don't know how to keep my mouth shut, which is why I have a podcast more than likely. So, I don't know. There's really a story to that. Who was there? Casey, who's part of NBC now. Uh, Deshaun, Ryan, and basically a lot of the, the LFG old heads now. Sam Schumann was there. It was a really fun pick, actually. I mean, really good times. Good guys, generally speaking. Just the aftermath of that whole situation was a real pain in the ass. But the bur- the Rye came out really well. I can't say much for the Burbank because I wasn't there for it, but so, yeah, we're at 25 minutes. I'm not going to go any more detail about that because it's not worth it. So we'll call it at this and say until next time, <clears throat> enjoy your pours and enjoy your family and look forward to the third installment of The big Cabinet. Don't do